0: Section 28 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Matteo Bracic. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 28. 2. Prelude of Love Gods. In contemplating this clear and living picture, do not suffer your eye to wander, either to the beautiful thicket of fruit-trees, or the lively motion of the winged boys But first of all, turn to the statue of Venus, beneath the hollow rock, where the clearest fountain wells up perpetually. The nymphs have erected this statue out of gratitude to the goddess, who has called them to be such happy mothers, mothers of love-gods. As offerings to the goddess, They added besides, as we read by this inscription, a silver mirror, the golden slippers, the gold clasps, every article belonging to the adornment of Venus. Little love gods also bring firstling apples for their gift. They stand around, offering their prayer. May their trees hereafter and forever bear both fruit and flowers. The garden that lies before you is beautifully set off in parterres. Divided by easy paths. They make a course for running on the grass, and you can discern quiet nooks for slumber. Golden apples reddening in the sun hang from the high branches and allure whole swarms of love gods. They fly up towards the fruit on shimmering wings of deep blue, purple, and gold, and to give an added splendor to the scene they have hung their golden quivers and dar to the topmost branches garments of a thousand various colours lie upon the grass of crowns they have no need they are crowned sufficiently with their curly hair the baskets for gathering fruit are no less remarkable they glitter with sardonyx emeralds and pearls all masterpieces of vulcan's work let us now leave the crowd dancing running sleeping or gathering apples Two pair of the most beautiful of the love gods next attract our whole attention. The artist seems in these figures to have intended an emblem of friendship and mutual love. Two of these beautiful children are throwing apples to each other. This pair indicates the commencement of affection. One kisses the apple and throws it to the other, who catches it, and you may easily see is about to kiss and throw it back again. This pretty play signifies the first attraction of love. The other pair are engaged in shooting arrows at each other, not with hostile intent, on the contrary, one appears to expose his breast to the other, so that he may the more easily hit it. These are supposed to be touched with passion in their deepest heart. Both pair pursue their occupation apart, free and alone but there is one hostile pair surrounded by a crowd of spectators. The combatants wrestle hotly with each other. One has got his opponent down and springs upon his back to throttle and bind him. The other, meantime, takes heart, struggles to rise, holds the hand of his adversary away from his throat by seizing one finger and pressing it backwards so that the others must follow, and he cannot close them the victor feels so sharp a pain from his imprisoned finger that he tries to bite his little opponent's ear the spectators angry at this infringement of the rules pelt the transgressor with apples but the liveliest action of all is caused by a hare who sat beneath an apple tree and made a meal of the fallen fruit some he must needs leave half gnawed behind "'for the mischievous boys frighten him with their cries "'and the clapping of their hands, and scare him with waving robes. "'One robe gets caught around him, the owner runs after it, "'and when he thinks to seize the fugitive, "'the entangled animal jumps to the other side. "'One there catches him by the leg, but lets him go again, "'and sets all his playmates laughing. "'Whilst the chase goes forward, one tumbles on this side, another on that, A third falls forward on his outstretched hands. They are all lying on the spot where they fell in trying to catch the hare, in order to show the quickness with which it all passes. Why do they not shoot it with their arrows? No, they wish to take it alive, to present it as an offering to Venus, to whom this ardent, fruitful race is especially dear. Neptune and Amemone Danaeus kept his fifty daughters closely to their household works, so that he might retain them in a narrow circle, for his service and their own support. According to ancient custom, the various departments were divided amongst them. It was the charge of Amimony, who may have been the youngest, to fetch water daily. She was to bring it from no convenient spring close at hand, but must wander far away from home to the place where the stream Inachus fell into the sea. Hither she has come to-day. The artist has given her a strong and able figure, such as becomes the daughter of a giant race. Her skin is brown from the penetrating beams of the sun, which she is obliged to encounter on her toilsome way. To-day she does not find the waters of the stream flowing gently into the ocean, sea waves rush in for the web-footed horses of neptune are bringing in the god the maiden is frightened the vessel falls from her hand she stands fearfully as if about to fly but fly not noble maiden see the god has not the wild look wherewith he rules the storms his face is friendly smiles play over it like the setting sun over the peaceful ocean confide in him Fear not the prying eye of Phoebus, nor the shadeless tell-tale shore. Soon will the waves rise up, and form an emerald arch around thee and the god. Thou shalt not be without thy recompense. We will not stop to speak of the excellence of the picture, but looking into the future, let us make a mark beyond this present scene. The severity of Deneas towards his daughters removes the improbability of their conduct, when they all at one time murder their husbands on their wedding night and make it appear a slavish rather than horrible action. A Mimini, who has tasted the happiness of love saves her husband, and on this account, as well as the favour of the god, is saved from the eternal punishment awarded to her sisters. Their task is the maidenly occupation of drawing water, but cheated of all possibility of performance. Instead of the golden vase of their sister, they have only broken earthen vessels in their powerless hands. End of section 28